0: Coming up on the WAC Podcast, we have three more champions crowned in both track and field and softball, plus the final week of the regular season in baseball as the tournament looms next week. And we have a couple of great guests on today's show. We're going to talk to the commissioner, Brian Thornton, some big things going on in the WAC that he is behind. And then also Phil Olson, the outgoing coach at Stephen F. Austin track and field, won his 40th. Conference Championship this past week in Seattle. That's all ahead on the WAC Podcast.
1: Welcome to the WAC Podcast. Today's episode is presented by Hercules Tires. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Danner and Kendra Sheehan.
0: Welcome to the WAC Podcast, Eric Danner and Kendra Sheehan. We're both back from different parts of the country i was up in seattle at the track and field championships in a uh sometimes frigid and uh, rainy uh situation whereas you were in the opposite actually you were in an air-conditioned studio if you will yeah uh but very the nice. uh, the games very were nice. in a very uh warm uh, Huntsville Texas
2: yeah feel for our uh, lovely co-workers Hope and Steven that were out in the elements all week it was hot I mean I went there I would go to the field before all the games started just to check make sure everything was good took a picture of the trophy the last day and after 20 minutes out there I'm like I gotta get I gotta get back to the AC <laughs> because like it, it, I couldn't do it anymore
0: <laughs> yeah so a uh, great job by the way in Huntsville by our broadcast team, led by you and uh, Sheridan McGrew yes. in the, Shout in the studio. Shout out to Sheridan. And then McGrew. also Adam Young and Mary Kay Morrow with the games. I had a chance to check out a few of them as I was at track and field and, you know, pre preoccupied with uh, that broadcast. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just a, a great tournament there in uh, Huntsville. GCU coming out on top. We kind of had an idea. GCU and SFA were the top two teams kind of all year long didn't play each other during the regular season yeah. because the divisions just played within their own divisions. And it really kind of was ex- made that maybe more exciting because you didn't really know what was going to happen. GCU, the first time they met, what was it one nothing? It was a low-scoring game? Yeah. And then they met in the championship. SFA wins and then forced the if game. Jump out on top early. Looks like it's going to be the, the Lady Jacks celebrating and not so fast, my friends. The, the Lopes come back and win.
2: Yeah, no, it was, it was really exciting because, you know, there had been a lot of talk about Cassidy Wilbur and, you know, being pitcher of the year and two conferences and Grand Canyon hadn't gotten to see her and I think one of the things that actually Mary Kay was talking about that she heard overheard some GCU players saying is that you know besides the fact that they haven't seen her faced her all year she also has a very interesting pitch in which she kind of covers her hand so you don't Mm -hmm. really see what she's going to do right away so that was kind of like kind of
0: whips it a little bit yeah yeah. the way she
2: covers it so they were nervous about that going in and then of course you know SFA battles back. We forced the, if necessary, game, which we're thrilled about. (laughs) But, um, and then, yeah, Grand Canyon ultimately came out on top. Ariel Thompson for GCU was a strong pitcher throughout the tournament. She was our tournament MVP. She was a big, big part of that. Um, So, of course, uh, nice to see for the Lopes, but it was definitely a a nice tournament. And also, you know, to throw out there, New Mexico State was a team who, you know, we really didn't see – I don't want to say not see going did, did, Didn't as have far. A, an
0: Aggies typical year. They're, right. they're usually right near the top of the standings. Not as good in the regular season this year, but did have the talent, and it kind of bubbled to the surface, and they, they got much further, I think, than their seed.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, they were definitely kind of that dark horse in it. And then, of course, Seattle U, we kind of thought that they had the, the pitching staff, if you will, to mm-hmm. be able to take them the distance with the three um, pitchers that they have, including – um, you know the freshman Grace Luterer. Then you have um, Carly Nance, and then uh... Car-
0: Carly Nance, the Johnny McCants of <laughs> softball. Uh, it seems like this is my fifth year in the in the WAC. Seems like Carly Nance is always on the all tournament team, always in contention for MVP of the tournament. Great pitcher, great hitter. I think her career has come to an end.
2: I think. Well, you know, she was talking with Mary Kay um, at the hotel. Or maybe it was the hotel somewhere. Yeah, Seattle, you actually did stay at our hotel. So it might have been the hotel. But she was saying how, I want to say it was that the last day they were in the the tournament. So it might have been Friday. That was like, I don't know, six years ago was her recruiting day or something <laughs> like that. And it was some sort of, you know, sad. anniversary. So, yeah, yeah, it's just, of course, that's how, you know.
0: But uh, congratulations to the Lopes. And they are headed to Los Angeles yeah. to play in the regional at uh, UCLA.
2: Yeah, should be should be good to watch them kind of see how far that they can take it. And they have the offense, they have the power. Just got to see if they can uh, handle it.
0: And sometimes you get a hot pitcher, they can they can carry you further than you expect. Uh, the outdoor track and field championships, Seattle, Washington, last week, uh, won by Grand Canyon on the men's side. Stephen F. Austin on the women's side. We'll have an interview with Coach Olson, coaches both the men and women, retiring. After a very illustrious career with the lumberjacks, learned this this week: the lumberjacks, both men's and women's track and field. Remember the lumberjacks women's soccer, lady jacks, yeah. women's basketball, Why softball. Why is that? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have an answer. Got it. <laughs> but in terms of track and field, where they're wearing, you know, warm ups, whatever, that are, it would look kind of weird. Perhaps if one said lumberjacks, the other said lady jacks. Oh. you know things like that. Maybe when they're ordering uniforms, I'm just, I'm just speculating. You just here. But uh, some great performances that we saw. Phil Olson was coach of the year on the women's side. Anina Brandenburg from Abilene Christian was our outstanding field performer at the championship. She won uh, both the shot put and the discus, and also placed in the javelin. Uh, we had an interview with her after the, the meet uh, where uh, Matt Biamonte talked to her. She's, uh, of course, from Germany, uh, as when you did the preview. I believe Dusseldorf, Germany was her, her hometown. And uh, so we got to talk with her. Everlyn Kemboy from Utah Valley said not one, but two WAC championship meet records Holy cow. during the championship. First one was in the 10K on Thursday, the the day I've talked about at length with the oh, yeah. <laughs> rain and cold, was great for the distance runners. So we saw a lot of distance records fall mm. at the meet. She wins the 10K, and the previous record had stood for 25 years. But get this, 25-year That's record. crazy. All eight placers... Beat that twenty-five-year-old.
2: What the heck did everyone do in this off-season?
0: Well, you figure it was in Seattle, so maybe sea level might have had something to do with it. You know, if you're training at any kind of altitude, I mean, so Utah Valley, you look at, and they placed one, two, three in that particular event. So they're coming down from, I believe, forty-five hundred feet somewhere, something like that, down to sea level. So maybe that had something to do with it. I'm not certain. Um, The high point score was Brandon Burke from ACU, and also Nissi Kabongo. Of Stephen F. Austin, who does a lot of different events, 400-meter hurdles. She does the high jump. She does – and uh, Coach Olson and his staff do a great job, especially with the multi-athletes. So congratulations to the Lumberjacks on winning the women's championship.
2: That's right. And I can't even believe it. Championship season's almost over.
0: On the men's side, we had, uh, as we oh, mentioned, yeah. Grand Canyon. Can't forget about the men. <laughs> <laughs> when – when the uh when the event uh, Tom Flood is the coach of the year uh had a good idea that might be happening uh, again and then Jordan Acorie the uh thrower for the Lopes outstanding field performer and the high point scorer of the meet the outstanding track performer Jeremiah Curry of Stephen F Austin and they really scored a lot of points especially in the sprints and uh, that's where jeremiah curry excels and those are always a lot of fun to watch
2: yeah he won that 400 meter dash and and the 200 meter dash as well and of course that four by 100 meter relay was uh
0: you know the, the most winner. exciting thing about that four by 100
2: was <laughs> <laughs> you didn't send me the clip it <laughs> was uh
0: was uh, manual from uh lamar who's uh there video out. pictures he he must run a 4-3-40 because you could see it in the video that we were looking at of the event. When the uh, runners are across the field, he's sprinting across the infield.
2: I mean, anything to get the shot. Am I, mean, I right? He Let's talk like, about dedication. Yeah, He looked Good like uh, Barry
0: Sanders on his way to the end zone or something. He, he was fantastic. So. And
2: he did. He protected the camera, too, up, as I, he I, ran. I,
0: I, I want to see the video because I, I, it looked like he got both shots just, you know.
2: Well, Incredible. you gotta, you got to send me that so I can send it to him. <laughs> and so we, he knows that he got a special shout-out on the WAC podcast. <laughs>
0: He'll be very excited about that. Uh, baseball, as we mentioned, the final now week. Now I
2: can say, last championship <laughs> of the season.
0: <laughs> yeah, final week of the regular season. GCU has already wrapped up the West Division title. They're, they did sneak in to the top 25, uh, yeah. I, I believe, not in the most recent one. But they are a team, Kendra, that could conceivably receive an at-large bid if they don't win the WAC tournament.
2: Yeah, I think that's one of the things that is potentially exciting. That you know, maybe we are a a two-bid league this year because you know, Grand Canyon has proven themselves. I want to say that I looked just the other day and they had still they were still Still in in the top twenty-five. They were that twenty-fifth spot, Um, and so yeah. So I guess also in in a sense that not that at relieves any pressure of the tournament but you know you still have to have a performance because you never know that 25th spot you might not get in that large bid but you know it might release some of the pressure that you know they they don't have to come in there's not that like do or die because right. they've they have that extensive resume and
0: course. they did uh, for the first time went to the tournament last year they had been uh kind of a higher seed in years before and they finally broke through and got to the tournament last year got to do the dog pile all that good stuff. So that's always fun. We will both be going to Mesa, Arizona, the uh, spring training facility of the Oakland A's, Ho-Ho Camp Stadium. Always a great time there. It's going to be a little toasty. Just <laughs> Bless a quick you. sneeze there. Yeah. Well, maybe this will clear up any... Uh, I don't know who any, gets a cold. <laughs> well, at 107 degree heat, if you have a cold, I think they, that uh, well. Uh, it's a dry heat, but it'll evaporate from your head. I think.
2: Well, no worries because I I got the thermometer has been purchased. <laughs> yes. Sixteen inches. Yes. So I think that's pretty wow, big. That's pretty big. Yeah, I want to have one you can really show. So if you are watching on ESPN Plus, you can see we'll be tracking. Uh, oh, and how I, was, I was doing a rundown last night
0: as everybody wants to hear like our conversations that are not podcast related. So People I'm do. producing, and you're you're doing this the. I, I, I guess the term is dugout reporter. I don't know if sideline. There's no oh, sideline yeah, in baseball. dugout reporter. But you're not so cool. in the dugout either. You're in the stands, so.
2: What the heck?
0: We did actually try to have Jesse punch a few years ago on the field, and they started the game, and I was afraid she was going to die with a line drive to the face.
2: Oh, where was she on the field? Like, like in the dugout?
0: No, like just like uh near the dugout.
2: Yeah. well, you know when uh local TV you go out and film for high school games, I'm right on that uh third baseline. Yeah, I'm dodging balls there here. There you go. So,
0: <laughs> so, anyway, uh back so uh you do three live shots per game. So, you do one uh in between the uh
2: Is this all for a podcast? <laughs> yeah.
0: So, first inning uh first inning. So, first inning, so we have the top of the first Bottom of the first is when you have your first live hit.
2: Ooh, okay.
0: And then two other live hits during the game. So one on each team.
2: One on each team. What's that first one? First
0: one's kind of, here's what's going on. I talked to coach so-and-so, and they had this to say. Or, hey, look at this. It's uh, 108 degrees here in Mesa, oh. Arizona right now. Or, what if
2: I get it like an interview kind of mid-game? Can I do four?
0: Hey, it's baseball. It's
2: baseball. We can uh, do everything.
0: The, the rules... And actually, yeah, it's a it's a little more floaty with the, uh, with the uh, live hits there. So, because uh, depending on what your subject is, I know people are just fascinated. I by know. This right now. Uh, depending that on what your are. your subject people is, do care. so if you're talking about a pitcher, maybe we want to have a live hit in the top of that inning as opposed to the bottom of that oh, inning true, when they're true. just sitting in the dugout.
2: So we could float it around. Correct. Uh-huh. Correct. But we
0: need to be in communication on that. Yes. And don't just change it on your own.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well. <laughs> Uh, golf we haven't talked about uh, golf in a while no we Uh, have not so women's golf they already had their regional yep uh Sam Houston did have an individual qualifier in uh in said regional that went on to the next round of the NCAAs
2: yeah Uh, Ocha Rosada who is actually their number five golfer just has this breakthrough kind of performance and You know, here she is competing. She's a qualifier, and she's getting ready.
0: She shot a 69 at the regional to qualify for the NCAA championships. Second straight year, a Bearcat women's golfer competing at the final site. So that's, uh, yeah, like you said, just an unbelievable uh, accomplishment there for Ocha Rosada.
2: Yeah, and on the men's side, men's golf. Abilene Christian, who also won the WAC tournament, they were at the regionals now. Men's tennis. Oh my gosh, men's golf. I'm I'm stuck on tennis. I don't know. Well, well you ACU, were there.
0: You were there in ACU Beaumont. Team. They also won men's <laughs> tennis, but uh, they're in uh, the ACU men's golf team in Stockton, California, as we speak.
2: As we speak, final day,
0: final round uh, right now in twelfth place at the regional, and uh, this is, as they say, a rather loaded. Uh, regional as Arizona State, BYU, Stanford, LSU, and Oregon, all in the same regional. So that's where the cutoff line is. Top five teams advance. So uh, probably not going to. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, uh, right now they're about 15 shots back of uh, attempting to qualify for the uh, next round of the NCAA's. But nonetheless, great tournament. They're 200 par, and also a, a great year for the Wildcats.
2: Absolutely, and, you know, looking forward to seeing how Ochoa Rosada does as well. She continues to represent the WAC. Yeah. And with the WAC, a lot of things happening. A we lot have, of things happening. We have, you know, a lot of different uh, things that our commissioner, Brian Thornton, will be talking about just ahead on the WAC podcast.
1: <laughs> Hercules Tires is the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference, and for more than 65 years, has been providing tires with unbeatable quality at an unmatched value whatever the vehicle and whatever the terrain hercules tires invites you to ride on our strength for a retailer near you visit hercules welcome back to the WAC
0: podcast eric danner and kendra sheehan now joined by the commissioner of the Western Athletic Conference, Brian Thornton. Brian, thanks for joining us.
3: Absolutely. It's good to be back with you guys.
0: Hey, uh, Brian, we really appreciate it. I know there's a lot going on, even though uh, we're we're almost to the end of the season, but there's a lot of things kind of popping up uh, on the front burner. First thing we wanted to talk to you about is a letter that was written uh, by the WAC, I I don't know who actually authored it, maybe yourself, but uh, that was signed by all the presidents looking to change the... Uh, rules in terms of uh, Division II schools transitioning to Division I. If you could kind of let us know what that's all about, what the idea is behind that.
3: Absolutely. You know, the the biggest thing that that was about is just providing student-athlete access and experience to championships. And, you know, what we've seen over the course of time is that the NCAA has a policy that Um, Division two schools that transition to division one have to wait a full four years in order to become full fledged members, which means championship access. And we know in this world that we're living in now with student athlete experience and well being that four years is just entirely too long for student athletes to have to wait to have an opportunity to participate in championships. And, you know, so that was kind of the impetus of it, is that we're trying to, uh, to garner some attention and we're trying to kind of beat the drum to hopefully provide those institutions, uh, Utah Tech slash Dixie State and Tarleton State with, uh, with opportunities for their student athletes to be a part of um, championship atmosphere. It's something that within our league is very important. We've provided some championship access to those schools even before they reach that four-year threshold. But it's something that should be done at the national uh, level as well. And we're just trying to do our part to support those institutions as they put forth the waiver and and hopefully get an opportunity for those student athletes in all sports. to have an opportunity to compete for the AQ status and to be a part of, of championships in every sport that they compete in.
2: Now, after this letter was written, what is kind of the timeline? Could we see changes? How does this work? Could it be something that's implemented by the fall?
3: It's possible. You know, what we've done is we've kind of, we've sent the letter out and it's not just us. There's other conferences and institutions around the country that are trying to kind of garner the same type of attention. The ASUN comes to mind as well. Um, Everybody's familiar with what happened with Bellarmine University this fall in men's basketball. They won the ASUN conference championship, but were ineligible to participate in either the NCAA tournament or the NIT. And that kind of created a little bit of groundswell. And there's a lot of transitioning institutions across the country that are kind of missing out on some of those opportunities. We have them in our own league, you know, Cal Baptist women's team won both the regular season and conference championship in basketball a couple of years ago and we're unable to participate. So anything that we can do for our student athletes in order to make sure that they don't have to kind of go through an entire career in some cases. Um, you know, you come in as a freshman, your institution makes a decision to transition from division two to division one, which should be an awesome opportunity. And then during that entire time that you're a student athlete, you never have an opportunity to participate in a championship at the NCAA level, if you qualify, and that's just the thing where, that's the thing that we're trying to rectify the most. The timeline is to be determined; it is in the hands of the, the NCAA, and um, you know, hopefully, it's something that we'll be able to get an answer on in the short term. But I think that we'll know something one way or another by the end of the summer.
0: Yeah, no, Brian. It, well, I don't know when this rule first started with the four-year transition, but I think part of it was. It would take schools four years to ramp up to be competitive in Division One, but the landscape has changed. And you just mentioned California Baptist women's basketball, their baseball team tied for a regular season championship a few times. Grand Canyon, when they are transitioning from Division Two to Division One, would have had several opportunities during that time. So it sounds like, Brian, this is an idea who, whose time has come, especially when you consider all the changes, NIL, all these different things in the, in the NCAA.
3: I think you're absolutely right. I think the time is right. Um, you know this as we we're seeing the transformational time that we're in at the NCAA level. NCAA level, whether you're talking about transfers, name, image, and likeness, and changes to the governance structure, um, and, and just a feeling uh, nationwide that we should be putting student athletes first, and that their experience should be important. And that's something that you know, having that four-year period to wait, and oftentimes, and actually in all times, the student athletes who choose to go to these institutions they were not part of the decision-making process that created um, their school transitioning. So they shouldn't be kind of punished maybe is a strong word, but in, in a lot of ways, that's what it is, by not having an opportunity to participate.
2: Now, you had mentioned the ASUN in our previous question. And it was announced today that the WAC and the ASUN, have agreed to renew their uh, football Alliance for the 2022 season. What can you say that that does for our conference as we enter our second year with football back in our conference?
3: You know, it, it's it's a great opportunity. You know, the ASUN has been a good partner. Um, they were a good partner this past year from a football standpoint when we created the the AQ seven, which put our four institutions and their three institutions together to create a brand new um, AQ opportunity in FCS football, kind of out of out of the sand. And you know what we have done um and we has been a lot of conversations and i really want to applaud our our membership and their membership our presidents and ceos who spent considerable time kind of talking through what a partnership would look like and this partnership is um it just helps to strengthen football and like we talked about in this transitional time um the aq status is a byproduct of that but what this really does is it just gives us an opportunity to kind of put two conferences that are really strong in football together to rival some of the other top FCS conferences that are out there. When you look at some of the institutions that we have within this kind of this alliance, four of those institutions this year were in the playoffs last year, which when you look around the country, that would be top probably three conferences in the country in terms of football strength. So we look at this alliance as a way to really strengthen football, to grow our football enterprise and figure out ways in in this day and age to create partnerships that allow for for growth for all of our institutions.
0: Uh, Brian, we also saw your name recently in an article on CBS about a scheduling idea you and uh, Drew Spira, our uh, associate commissioner for uh, basketball, uh, were both quoted in there kind of tell us a little bit about this idea and how this would work.
3: Yeah, you know, first of all, I'd like to give a lot of credit to Drew and also to Kevin Paulga, who has kind of become the guru of, of scheduling across the country. And it's, it's something that we spent a lot of time working together on. And the idea was, is there a way to create a merit-based system that allows quality basketball teams at the mid-major level to play real games that matter in February against other institutions? We know that right now it's extremely difficult for mid-major institutions, whether you're in the A-10, Mountain West, the WAC, um, the SOCON, wherever you're at, to garner legitimate at-large consideration. And part of that is because of the way that the model set up. The Power 5 schools, they have an opportunity to play each other time and time and time again during their conference play. And they're able to build up their Quad 1 and Quad 2 opportunities where, quite frankly, other conferences aren't aren't in that same position. So this will be an opportunity that the better season that you're having along the way, we would get to February and we would find ways to match up those top teams against each other in February. And it's an exciting time. We're talking about the end of February, getting ready to go into March. What better way to kind of prepare for March Madness than to have kind of this this wild card week concept that allows for these teams to play against each other on a national stage, get their names out there, student athletes get an opportunity to showcase their skills. And also the teams that have real success, maybe they go two and zero; they win two of those games, they jump in a major way. You know, maybe that means that they get legitimately on the bubble. Maybe that means that if they win their conference championship, they get a better seed than they otherwise would have. And also, it also gives you an opportunity to maybe get an NIT bid as well. So it's a fun concept. Um, I hope that, you know, nationwide, it continues to get the ground swell that it's gotten, because I think it's, you know, we need to be doing things that are different, things that are creative, things that are innovative. We can't just um, keep doing the same thing and expect a, a different result. That's insanity, right?
0: hmm <laughs>
2: That's right. <laughs> that is the definition. I'm pretty sure that's what my dad always used to tell me when I was growing up. <laughs> but now it seems from, you know, it would it would take a lot of conferences because of, you know, the way that you would do this. And it seems, at least from the article, that a lot of uh, people from other conferences are are on board with this.
3: Yeah, so far we've had really good reception. You know, this is something that we started working on several months ago. And, you know, it was one of the tasks that was... Um, was placed upon me was to, you know, continue to build our basketball brands within this league. And this was kind of an idea to help elevate our basketball in a way. But a, as a byproduct, it helps uh, any other conferences that want to be involved in something like this. And, you know, we started small and we started having some conversations at the final four. And then um, as more people kind of caught wind of it and they started to kind of really like the the, the conversation, we broadened it to, um, you know, we've had conversations with um, the majority of all conferences kind of outside those power five, six uh, basketball conferences. And um, right now it's being circulated within uh, conference offices and A.D. level and coaches groups. And um, hopefully in, in in June, we'll be able to circle back with the conferences that are really, really serious about maybe taking the next step and figuring out how we can kind of uh, take some of this momentum forward.
0: And Brian, I know one of the things uh, that would be a benefit of this is, having schools get a home game against maybe another good team thinking in particular, a school like Grand Canyon, they might have a hard time getting quality opponents to come in and play them or other schools we have around the league, uh, getting those quality opponents to play each other to, you know, because they don't want to play a, a good team and maybe take a chance at maybe getting a loss on the road against a wax school. So that's yet another benefit of this idea.
3: Absolutely. And that's part of what we were trying to capture in this idea is for teams, they get an opportunity to play one home game and one road game in the course of a week, where every conference that was part of this, this alliance would take the same week off in mid February, and that would allow us to kind of play both of these games in a back to back situation during that week. And you're right, Eric, it is extremely hard to schedule. Scheduling is a challenge. And the better you are, the harder it is to get games. And especially when you're in some of the locations and you have some of the environments that some of our institutions have. But it's not just our institutions, it's other institutions across the country. And, you know, this is not a high major, mid-major problem. It's a mid-major, mid-major problem. It's hard to get quality mid-major teams to schedule each other because of some of the reasons that you already outlined. And this, what this also does is it helps to fix some of the predictability um, of what a good game is. Because oftentimes scheduling is done in advance, you know, a year in advance, sometimes two years in advance. And with all the changes that we're seeing in college athletics with NIL and transfers, you don't know how good you're going to be, let alone how good your opponent's going to be when you're scheduling that far in advance. So what this does is it takes a lot of that guesswork out of the scheduling process. And if you're having a great year, you get to pick another team that's having a great year. If you're having a good year, you'll play against another team that's having a good year. If you're having not so good of a year, you'll get get games against teams that are at your similar level, which is much easier to predict than just kind of hoping that you're scheduling the right way when you're doing it so far out in advance.
2: Well, it's certainly an interesting proposal and you can definitely feel the passion you have for it. And it really seems like you've been pretty busy these last, <laughs> you know, couple of weeks and last couple of months, really with all this stuff that you're doing, like we had mentioned, but also you're traveling to championships. And I got to see you in Huntsville, Texas for softball. I know you were at men's golf out in Vegas. What has it been like for you to, you know, see some of these championships for the first time as a commissioner?
3: It's great, you know. I I love going to championships because uh, it's about again. It goes back to the student athlete experience. You know, it doesn't matter what sport it is, whether it's softball, golf, basketball, you name it. The student athletes who who are participating in those championships that's their that's their Super Bowl, and you can see the passion. You can see how much uh, people are invested and they care. And, you know, just being there to watch the student athletes and the coaches participate in their sport is a is a great experience. I'm looking forward to being in baseball next week. Um, I know that's a really big one for our league. We have a really good um, baseball situation. And obviously, I've heard great things about where we hold our baseball championships. So I'm looking forward to being there and sharing some of that time with all the student athletes, coaches, but also our staff as well.
0: Yeah, we might have a chance of getting two teams in the the baseball tournament, which would be great for the league. Also, Brian, you have, besides being able to go to the championships, which is always fun, not saying AD meetings aren't always fun uh, (laughs) or president meetings aren't always fun. I know we just had the uh, athletic administrators in Vegas. I think the uh, presidents will be coming up here in a week or two as well. Uh, Any uh, tidbits from that uh, that uh, could be uh, changing the league or, or, or making differences in the league in the next year or two?
3: You know, I really applaud our our athletic directors and what we call that is the WAC cabinet, which is made up of our athletic directors, but also the reps of of some of our subgroups, our sports management group, um, our faculty athletic reps, um, compliance, medical—you know—all kind of the brain trust within our league, and having an opportunity to kind of come together and talk about issues and things that we want to change within our conference. And we spent a lot of time talking about things like Wild Card Week and and others. But um, you know, we have a very collegial group of of presidents and athletic directors who seem to want to work together. And I think that they just really see the value of our league and the growth properties that that we have. You know, it's something that we talked about early on when I first started the job, is that. Um, our league is in a unique position. You know, we are in the fastest growing areas of the entire country. When you look at Texas and Utah and Arizona, California, even Seattle, like you—you you can't beat our locations. We're in markets that that matter, markets that have visibility, and you know, our institutions realize that our best days are still ahead of us, both internally and externally.
2: Well, Commissioner Thornton, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast, sharing some of the initiatives, some of the renewed partnerships, and everything that's been going on. We really appreciate you taking the time, and we can't wait to see you at baseball.
3: I look forward to seeing you guys in in Phoenix next week. Thanks again.
0: All right. That is Brian Thornton coming up next. We're going to have Phil Olson, the track and field coach at Stephen F. Austin, coming up next on the WAC podcast.
1: Hercules Tires is the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference and for more than 65 years has been providing tires with unbeatable quality at an unmatched value. Whatever the vehicle and whatever the terrain, Hercules Tires invites you to ride on our strength. For a retailer near you, visit HerculesTires.com. Welcome back to the WAC podcast, Eric Danner,
0: along with Kendra Sheehan. We're now joined by the head track and field coach. Uh, I, I think that's still your official title. Phil Olson from Stephen F. Austin. Coach, welcome to the show.
4: Well, thank you guys. I appreciate you having me today. I've never been on a podcast before, so it, it's probably going to be my first and my last uh, <laughs> invitation. Well, Kendra, so
0: we had a chance to talk with you last week before the championships. Then obviously after the championships and said, Coach, He has has a lot to say. He's a good talker. Uh, First off, Coach, uh, let's talk about the championship uh, in terms of uh, what happened in Seattle. Women's side, you guys win the championship. I know that was your goal heading in, and you got some really good performances. Were you Mm -hmm. at all surprised by by any of the performances that you saw in Seattle?
4: Um, In some respects, uh, we were. We had some people, some of our... uh, over women's team who really stepped up, uh, when they needed to do. And, and what, what basically we needed and did some phenomenal things. Um, and I mean, we were pretty solid across the board. I think we scored in every event, but maybe two or three. And if you can do that, um, plus, you add your heavy hitters to the mix, um, then, then you have a chance of doing pretty well at the, uh, at the championship meet. So, yeah, I mean, we were, we were ecstatic uh, with the performance of our women's team.
2: Yeah, you had a lot of women who placed, who won their events. One of those, Siri Geisler, who won the javelin throw with a toss of 51.15 meters. But what's important about that is her backstory. So she had a baby last year and the baby travels and and she was there. Tell me about, you know, watching that from a coaching perspective of uh, a, an athlete with a moment like that.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it, it was a difficult decision uh, for her to come here. I think, I mean, here, she, she was an athlete, a high level athlete at Arizona state. Um, uh, she got pregnant, had her baby last, you know, July one. And, um, you know, when she was deciding to whether to come here or not, we just said, Hey, look, you know, your family is our family and, uh, you know, we'll do whatever we, we can i mean we've got a whole slew of babysitters here and <laughs> if uh, if Mila her daughter's name is Mila if uh if she needs to travel with us we'll make uh, accommodations we make accommodations for the hotel and and uh, it just so happened that Siri's family from Minnesota showed up and uh so uh Mila stayed with them and they sat in the stands and watched Siri do her thing and uh and she just, Myla hung out with us for the rest of the weekend. So uh, I think mama and baby girl, mama and baby girl a, had a great time last weekend.
0: Hey, coach, I thought that was one of the more special moments of the weekend was after she wins the javelin, she was on the victory stand with, with her daughter, Myla. Mm-hmm. It's one of those kind of, I guess, lump in your throat kind of moments. I imagine for you, it had to be like
4: that as well. Well, it was, and I, but I asked her, I said, Sarah, you're going to take Myla with you up on the stands, right? Or up on the. Board stand right she said oh yeah yeah we're yeah she wherever I go she goes and that and and that's true so uh Mila had her little pink hat I don't know why it wasn't purple but she had her little pink hat <laughs> up on there and uh they both got to enjoy a great moment to, together and uh it's something that uh Siri will remember the rest of her life and will pass on to to Milo when she grows up and she is understanding to see photos and videos of her um uh, at the meet it was was a lot of fun. Now I will say this. So we did championship we 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 did sizing for the championship rings uh yesterday and uh Siri snuck in a, a I think it was a size 1 uh ring for Mila but I think that's against NCA rules so I think we're going to <laughs> I think we're going to have to cut, cut put a cut on that cut on that one. So Give my, nice <laughs> yeah, right. I said, what is that a toe ring? And she said, no, that's for my I said, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> so, uh,
2: Well, of course the women did phenomenal men on the other hand, they finished fourth and you had talked about, you know, you brought 19 guys and you scored over a hundred points. What can you say about some of the guys performance? You have Jeremiah Curry who won the whack title in the 400 meter dash. How was their performance from this past weekend?
4: Oh, it was, it was unbelievable. I think, I think we were more excited. Not, I mean, not really. I can't really say that. We were <laughs> extremely as excited about what the men did. And, you know, if you lose a championship and you don't get a trophy, you're not happy. But one thing we had to tell the men is, look, we brought 19 of you guys here. You scored over 105 points. I mean, we finished fourth, but you know, had we run our mile relay, maybe we would have finished you know, we had the fastest time in the mile relay. Um, you know, if if Missouri Matars not you know kind of banged up a little bit, we wanted to save our save their legs. Um, then maybe we would have won and gotten third. But you know, we it's one of those things. You know, the quote: "We have to protect our assets. We have to protect our assets and our kids." And they they understood that, but to, to, to score 105 points with 19 guys, that averages out to be, you know, I guess a little over five points per man. Uh, that's really good. That's really, really strong. So, I mean, they were a bunch of heavy hitters this weekend and did a great job.
0: Coach, uh, one of the performances I was really impressed with was Asani Hilton. We, we saw him at indoor win the high jump against some really stiff competition, take second place in the high jump outdoor but also third place in the javelin. I mean, mm-hmm. what what a uh, what a different set of uh, skills there to do the high jump and the javelin. And, and I,
4: does he
0: have a chance at going to NCAA's? Where, where do we stand with some of those qualifiers? I think that. Well, yeah,
4: no, he's he's uh, so for the decathlon. They it's a straight. You go straight to the NCAA finals, so he's already qualified, and um, you know Asani's had a bit of. Um, you know, he's had a bit of health issues uh, since indoor season and he hasn't trained quite to the level, been able to train at quite the level that uh, his coach, uh, Coach Frenchie, uh, and he would have liked. So we had to really kind of dial down what he did last week. I mean, normally he would have he would have run the hurdles. He would have long jumped. He would have high jumped. He would have thrown the javelin, um, but he threw the javelin. He high jumped and we threw him into the discus because that's one of his weaker events. And we just felt like he, he needed the experience of on a big stage competing at a high level and he actually PR. So that was really good. So for him, it was kind of a get back into it mode and try to compete. And, and the thing about Asani is that he's special. I mean, you look at him and if you're just a, an average watcher and you see that guy, Guy, I mean, he's the first guy off the bus because he's that he's that in, incredible looking uh, uh, of an athlete, and his game when he elevates his game, he elevates everybody else around him, and uh, so he's really special. And honestly, he can pick up a javelin right, and he could go to sleep for ten hours, get up, stand get out of bed, pick up a javelin, and probably throw it one hundred and ninety feet without thinking about it so uh you don't you don't coach asani hilton you manage asani Hilton. that's kind of how you that's kind of how we do that here and we call it team asani because there's a lot of people that are involved in his in his training so it's team asani
2: (laughs) well coach that team win this past weekend marked your 40th conference championship you announced your retirement recently graduate of SFA was it just a full circle moment you spent 23 years coaching at mm-hmm. this university that's your alma mater
4: yeah I mean it It was it was really surreal I got in, I got interviewed the, the morning of and I was I'll be really honest with you I'm, I'm a I get pretty uptight and and pretty nervous and and I was just miserable I mean I was just so miserable until I got out uh first day of the championships got to watch the heptathletes warm up and start competing and um and i was so i was really nervous about it and i don't know if it was because it was a championship i don't know if it was because it was my last championship i don't know if it was i was worried about the rain and the wind and all that you know it's 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 a whole number of things but uh after we kind of got things going and and got a chance to get wet and get cold, and I felt like I was in my comfort zone, my uncomfortable comfort zone, and, and just kind of uh adapt to it. So it was a tough beginning. And then, you know, after that, you know, it's just like, you know, we're in it for a championship, we're gonna do our very, very best. And one thing I always say is as long as we give our very best effort. Um, we can walk away win or lose. I mean, if we if we give a championship effort and we finish second or third, I mean, I, I would hope that our athletes would keep their head high and walk out of the building and be be proud of themselves and the, the effort that they that they gave. Um, and it just so happens that the women just kind of elevated themselves two to the three uh, elevations and and just kind of had a just a phenomenal me and then only after it happened somebody said hey that that's 40 championships that your program has won and I was like I didn't ever thought about it. I didn't even think about it I didn't even think about winning I was just, you know I was just want all right let's do well and somebody said that and then one of uh, my former athletes who was also a longtime coach for us he texted me afterward and he said 40 sounds a lot better than 39 and, and and he's right he's right because i'm i'm an even number guy like when i go to the gas station i, I won't put it i won't <laughs> pump 37.97 it's 37.98 or 38 dollars <laughs> because i'm just not an am not an odd number guy so uh it was a really nice it was like having frosting on the cake i guess it was a really nice way to end and it so it was good and they were really nice to me there you know a lot of coaches came up and you know, wished me well. And and the the announcer, he mentioned something. I don't know how he knew it, it was my 40th uh, championship for program This guy history, right but, here
2: probably told him. Uh, <laughs> it's
4: probably Eric. But it that was just a really nice piece. And I was very touched. And I, I wasn't emotional at all, but I was just very touched by the whole moment. It, it, it And I kind of just sat back and watched it all. and it, And it was just fun. It's fun to see the kids win.
0: Coach, I, I know you're not supposed to ask women their, their age, but I, I won't ask you your age either. But uh, <laughs> it seems like you have the energy to continue coaching if you chose to do so. Uh, why, why step away now? Is is there a special reason for that? Or uh, what, what, what do you plan to do here? Do you, do you plan to stay in, at SFA? Or what, what kind of plans do you have for mm. retirement?
4: Well, I, I thought, Eric, I thought you were going to ask Kendra what her age was. You were talking <laughs> I about what it. you're not is. supposed to ask a woman her age. And, and then <laughs> I was like, Oh, so it's back on me. No, uh, honestly, I just turned, I turned 60 in December and my original thought was to, to go until the end of the 2023 season. And, but, but honestly, I, you know, I I'm one that I always has to take an honest look at himself. And I knew that, this year was especially tough just from a physical and and mental standpoint for me is I've always worked at a high level. Um, and everything I've done in this job has been at a high level and I haven't been able to be that way in the last two to three years. I mean, I used to be the full-time throws coach as well as the head coach and director of track and field and cross country. Well, um, what's the, what's the uh, Clint Eastwood Clint Eastwood saying is man's got to know his limitations. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I certainly know what my limitations are. And I was like, you know, so I had to fire myself. I'm the first person I ever fired on my staff. Mm. And so I had to fire myself from being a throws coach and uh, I, I hired Andy glass to come in and he's done a, he's done a great job. And then I've had to reduce the amount of recruiting that I've done. And, um, you know, and, and basically I was a glorified, uh, operations person. Um, and even that was hard. Um, and then we hosted two meets, uh, this year and it was the first time since 2019 that we hosted a meet and I couldn't sleep for eight weeks. And, you know, my health is, you know, my health, my mental health is just not where it needs to be. And so, um, you know, my wife and I had a come to Jesus moment and, you know, and, and, you know, we were at home at night and we had had a, I'd had a bad, particularly tough week. And, and, uh, you know, she's, we were very honest and I don't bring, mean to bring it down, but I, she said, look, I don't want you to die on this job. And I said, well, I don't want to die on this job either. Um, so she said, then you need to quit. If, if you need to retire, then go ahead and retire. So, um, talked to my our financial advisor who's a former athlete uh of ours uh, and uh and then had a really she and i had a good conversation donna uh, my wife donna and i did and then you know i met with mr ivy ryan ivy my ad and our sport administrator brandy bryant the next day and just told him i can't do this anymore and um so yeah i'm 60 i'm pretty young but um but i just can't work at this level that needs to be done anymore and and so and you add that to what's happening in college athletics now and uh, the the landscape of of college athletics i mean i'm an old school guy and what i'm seeing with the nil and i'm seeing in the transfer portal it's just it's just more and more difficult and i actually i'm sympathetic towards younger coaches out there who love coaching, but they have got to they they've got to be able to work through all this stuff that's going on. And you know, when you see when you hear from Coach Deschewski, Coach K at Duke, when you hear here from Nick Saban at Alabama, and they're talking about all this stuff, you know, when the football and basketball coaches are complaining, then you know it's bad. Mm-hmm. Then you know it's bad. So uh, so that I think that's part of it part of it too um my immediate you know i'll work till the end of june uh june 30th unless mr ivy fires me before then which anything could happen you know you never know uh and i say that all, <laughs> all, all kidding aside i think i'll think um, keep you coach now nah, he might keep me um, but um you know my my first first thing that i plan on doing i'm going to take eight weeks and just try to get you know try to get my health back try to uh, do some things get some sun uh, put my feet in the water, uh, relax, take it easy, um, and then I'm a I'm a person of strong faith, and so get really delve deep back into my prayer life and my relationship with the Lord, and uh, develop that. And then after eight weeks, you know, I'll pray on a lot and uh, figure out what I want to do do from that from that point on. So I really have no. I really have no plans. Um, so, if you need a third member of your podcast team, I mean, <laughs> looks like looks like there might be a little bit of room between you guys, but maybe I could fit in there. And <laughs>
0: well, okay, uh, we're always looking for an announcer at uh, at championships, and next year uh, SFA will be hosting the outdoor track and field championships. That,
4: that's right, uh, and and Brandy Bryant, our, our associate AD, she said, she told the kids on the team when I announced my retirement, she said, and Coach Olson has agreed to to be the meat director, and I'm sitting there shaking my head, going, I'm not going to be, <laughs> I'm not going to be the meat director. So you got to be the I'll announcer be in, now. So I'll be the, I'll be involved in some way. No, we've got great announcers. We've got some okay, great yeah. announcers coming in. So I mean, I might just pick up trash and walk around and and make sure that, you know, uh, things are picked up. And, uh, you know, part of me would just uh, be just like to sit in the, just sit and watch the meet. I mean, I don't don't really get a chance to do that very much. So I'll help in some way. I've got a great relationship with our officials uh, from over the years. And so I'll probably help out with procuring the officials and taking care of them and, and the needs that they have and making sure we have enough. But, uh, other than that, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, I think I'm pretty good with where I'm at right now. So.
2: Well, coach props to you for recognizing when it was your time to step away. You've had a phenomenal career. That was head coach, Phil Olson from Stephen F. Austin track and field. Thank you so much for joining Eric and I on the podcast. And thank you all for watching the WAC podcast.
1: Thanks for listening to the WAC podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at WACSports.com.